0: someone asked me this morning, are are we still going to have the baptismal today? Because it it may rain. And you know what? As a pastor, I'm going to get wet anyway. So yes, we are going to still do the baptismal. The only thing is I don't have a lot of faith. So the lightning kind of scares me. So we may, that may work around that a little bit. So, Um, but other than lightning and a freak snowstorm, we're going to have a baptismal today. So Uh, here in Minnesota, that's even still possible, but but hopefully not this morning. So I got to tell you, though, it's one of the things that I really enjoy doing. Probably it's in the top five of things. Uh, baptismals are a great time, it's a celebration, it's a lot of fun, um, it's a great testimony. But you know what? In that, there are a lot of misconceptions about baptism. And so this morning, we're going to talk about baptism, and we're hopefully going to dispel some of the things that are misconceptions and also explain why we do baptism and why those are such an important time, and what the importance of that is. And again, it's biblically based, and that's what we're going to look at this morning. So if you have your Bibles, if not, Ike's going to help us out and put Acts chapter 8. Yeah, look at that. It's running up there. He's so good. He takes care of me so well, and he got the wireless mic up and running again. So again, thank you, Ike, for taking care of that, as I've been known to break things. So do do appreciate the guys in the sound booth. All right, point of emphasis right here from the beginning. just You're going to hear me say this. If we're ever in the book of Acts, the book of Acts is a book of transition. All right? The book of Acts is a book of, of transitions. It's a letter that describes the history of the beginning of the church, but it's a transitional time. So a lot of things are happening. A lot of changes are happening. So, we have to be careful with the book of Acts. i get back to Acts. I heard it recently, but there was a call probably about 10 years ago of everyone saying, Oh, we've got to get back to Acts chapter 2. We've got to get back to Acts chapter 2. Well, if you really read Acts chapter 2, we wouldn't be here this morning, right? If we were doing Acts chapter 2, we'd be in Jerusalem. We'd all be communed together and we'd be huddling around and, and we would have sold all our possessions and we would be just hunkered down. But guess what? We would be also against Scripture. Scripture tells us many times in other places to go out right, and to share and not to be huddled down. Um, it was a different time. It's a time of transition. So you're going to hear me say that a lot when we're in the book of Acts because some folks kind of get hung up with that and they, they use Acts as the model, but it's really not because, again, it's, it's a time that's transitioning. And Again, where we are now looking back, we have to be careful of that. And even in this morning's passage, we're going to see a few things that have changed even since that beginning moment in Acts. So preface that because in teaching it's important because if you take one part of Scripture and you just build off of that one sentence in Scripture, you can get into a lot of trouble and you can get farther away from Scripture. Again, use the whole counsel of God and we have that blessing of having all of God's Word. So I set that up to chapter 8 in Acts. One of my other favorite characters in the Bible. And I know I'm a pastor. I'm not supposed to have favorites. You know, I told you I had favorites with Jonah. We've spent some weeks in Jonah. We've had other Nehemiah's another one of my favorite. Um, who cannot like Paul, right? But here's another one. Philip is actually one of my guys that I really like Philip and I like his life story. And you know what? He's not one of the apostles. He was just a, a deacon, just a deacon. And I, I say that tongue in cheek, because again, He's a deacon that God uses mightily, and that's what we're going to look at here today. And just like God used Stephen, God also used Philip. And God uses ordinary men and women to do extraordinary things. And he wants to do that with you. That's part of your call as well. So you can say, well, maybe I'm not, not called to be a pastor. I'm not called to be in leadership. I'm not, you know what? We're each called to reach the people of our area of influence, our circle of influence. God has something for each and every one of us. So that being said, Acts chapter 8. And I am going to get to baptism, I promise. Um, first couple of verses talk about this great persecution that's taken place in the church. Back, like I said, if we read Acts chapter 2, we would be back in Jerusalem. But God, because he knew that would be the case, he moves them through persecution and he sends them out, out of Jerusalem. All except for the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Again, you that are on the mission trip, this should ring a bell with you, right? We we talk about that. You're going to expand out. You're, you're very well leaving this place here, this area, to get down to the cities, right? Could very well that, you can insert Judea and Samaria in that. It's going to be out of your comfort zone, out of your culture, out of your circle. Doesn't necessarily have to be overseas always, and certainly that would include that as well. But A little bit nearby, a little bit closer by, is the Twin Cities. So you go on the mission trip, keep that in mind as well. Verse 2, godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. Again, Stephen was revered. He was a first martyr. Certainly, um, we we looked at his life and, and how important it was. And they were sad that he was gone. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged all men and women and put them in prison. Again, that prison quite often led to, to death. they lose all their possessions. It was a terrible time at that point under heavy persecution. But through that, God used it to scatter thousands of people throughout the land. And Philip is one of those guys. And again, we're going to look at Philip's life a little bit here in relationship to his witness, but also into baptism. Verse 4, those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs that he did, they paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Again, I tell you the fact that Acts is a transitional. We don't see as much of that today, and again, God used that, especially among Samaria was one of those places that there was both Jews and Gentiles. And again, there was some, the Samaria itself were mixed. And so Jews tended to like miracles and signs and it gave authority to the person that was speaking. So part of that may have all been that God was authenticating Philip's message. We don't always see that today. We don't need that as much today again yeah, it's a transitional time it's a different god still does miracles yeah, certainly but at that time it was important because it gave him authority but it also drew people in right god will use whatever he has to do to bring people into himself and he'll use whoever he wants to do that as well and philip is this man that god is using here in this area special man here god is doing the work in here as well, is is Simeon. Verse 9, a man named Simeon, he who had practiced sorcery in the city, and he amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is a divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. Interesting enough, right, we, we hear about the miracle signs that Philip's doing and his authenticity, but then we also hear about the fake, right? Simeon's doing these great things, and he, he's, he's got a following. He's got a group of people. But what's the difference between the two? What's the difference? The difference is the heart, right? The heart, the Holy Spirit. God's doing a work in one and not in the other. Big difference. The heart is always at the heart of the matter. I stole that. I don't know who said it. That's a quote from somewhere. Uh, I couldn't really find the source. But again, the heart is the heart of the matter. But, and again, that word, transitional word is great, but when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women, and here's a, one of the first references to baptismal, right? As far as after Jesus is gone, after his disciples and, and the Pentecost and the Holy Spirit's come and they've been scattered, we hear that word baptismal come back up again. But look at the order. The order is important, right? They believed in the name of Jesus Christ and then they were baptized. Again, we follow that same practice. That part we do take. We believe. And then baptismal. Baptismal has nothing to do with your belief. Well, I shouldn't say that. It does have something to do with your belief. But it's not a condition, a requirement in order for your belief. Right? Some of you have waited years from the time that you were saved till the time that you got baptized. Right? It's not a condition. But it is important. Baptismal is very important. And exploration of what you believe. And we'll get more into that. I almost slipped up there. Brent, we were just talking about this week, right? We were talking about just him and I were talking about, about slip ups, and, and, uh, and I said it wouldn't take me long to get to that point. And I probably have done it before now, but at least uh, this morning I almost but I caught myself. So I've, I've, hopefully I corrected that. Um, anyone who preaches for any amount of time is going to say something and, and then regret it, or if they go off script, they get into trouble. It's always the, uh, the danger of putting a mic in front of a pastor. Um, Simeon himself believed and he was baptized And he followed Philip everywhere Astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw Interestingly enough, the man who was doing miracles himself and, And doing things Is astonished by another man who's doing Probably not as great of things that he had even done But he's astonished because of the way it's happening The spirit that's moving there's a curiosity, but there's also a reverence for what he's done. And, and Simeon himself is wrestling with his position here and what he's seen. We're going to see that a little bit more here in the next verses. Verse 14 When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. Right? Good things are happening. You know, word gets back. Good news travels fast sometimes. And again, Samaria was a pretty good days, couple days' walk from Jerusalem. So it wasn't like a, a quick, yeah, you know, just go next door. It was a, a little bit of a journey to go there. But they hear good things are going on. They want to go and see for themselves. They probably want to confirm it, right? So Peter and John head down to Samaria. Um, yes? When the apostles were heard, Peter and John sent them down. Then they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Again, this is one of those areas where I say that Acts is important to to bear in mind that it's a time of transition, because we... Part of the Christian Missionary Alliance and upon God's Word. And, and many today believe that when you get saved, you receive the Holy Spirit. It's not a matter of when you get baptized. It's not a matter when the apostles lay hands on you, which would be pretty impossible because the apostles aren't even here now, right? So that part of it has, has changed. But again, in this time, the apostles come and they lay hands and they receive the Holy Spirit. But again, it's still not tied to their baptism. Right? Baptism is separate. It's it's a separate act after belief. Again, making that point very clearly. So, again, that's one of those transition things that have changed. But now, the Holy Spirit is at work. The Holy Spirit's at work in these believers, and we still have Simeon here, and we see a problem that he has. When Simeon saw that the Holy Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands on will receive the Holy Spirit. He's trying to buy his way in. And you can't do that. You cannot buy your way in. You can't work your way in. You can't do enough. Right? You have to accept the free gift. It's an important part. We don't work for our salvation. It's a free gift. God did it. Jesus did it on the cross once and for all. and So we believe that and we hold true to that. That's an important key. Again, it's a hard issue at this point. And again, because of the danger of it going on in the early church here, Peter rebukes him pretty harshly. He says, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God. You have no part to share in this ministry because your heart is not forgiven. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord, perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Those are not flattering words. Those are, are going to cut to the heart pretty quick. Right? Money has corrupted him. Fame has corrupted him. His pride has corrupted him. Again, at this point, because the church is young, they need it to kind of protect it a little bit. And so Peter is, is protecting them. He's protecting these believers, these new believers in Samaria, by saying, you can't have any part of this ministry. You're going to cause problems in this vein. Right? That's part of the operating process, part of what pastors do and elders, and we have a good group here that kind of watches out. And there's protection in that. We still need that protection. Yes, we have God and we have the Holy Spirit, but God uses men and women and we help each other. Accountability and protection and keeps us from straying, keeps us from getting caught up in our own ways and not the Lord's. And so Peter does that and he sets aside Simeon for this reason. But there's hope for even Simeon here. Look at the next verse and I think there's hope for him as there's hope for all. Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. It's real interesting here, because again, remember, Samaria is not the place where most Jews wanted to hang out. Talked about this a ways back, but you know, remember those Ninevites, those Assyrians? Remember I told you back in Jonah, we were talking about how they would take over land? Well, one of the ways was intermarrying. That's how you came up with the Samaritans, the Assyrians and the Jews intermarrying. And that's where the Samaria came in. Because they were not pure, the Jews looked down upon them. And so this was a, a tough area. This was not an easy area to do ministry in. But because John and Peter see God working there through Philip and through others in that area and the growth, guess what? The church expands. expands in that area. It grows rapidly. Also, if you remember back in your scripture, someone else broke some of that hard ground in Samaria as well. John chapter 4, right? Talked about Jesus and Samaritan woman. I believe some of that may have been some of the groundbreaking for this, but again, I can't prove that. But God wants to reach all people. The Samaritans, those around us, family members, he wants to reach all of them. All right, one more baptismal story while we're we're working through this. And again, just because it lends itself, we're just going to continue on here in Acts chapter 8 a little bit longer. Because Philip's not done yet. Like I said, Philip's one of my heroes in the faith here. He continues on. Next verse, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. Interesting, right? Philip has a ministry going. I'm sure, you got to imagine, he's probably questioning, wait a minute, people are getting saved here. Things are happening. And now you want me to go somewhere else, right? If, were, if Philip was a pastor, you would say, well, wait a minute, why are you leaving? You, you, things are, are growing. They're just getting started. There's still a lot of work to do. And certainly there was, but the Holy Spirit says, no, I need you to go. There's someone else that needs to hear about Jesus. So, Philip, being obedient to God's word, he leaves, and he heads down towards Gaza. And he started out on his way, and he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, the queen of uh, the Ethiopians. The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chair reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. The Spirit of God told Philip, Go to that chariot, this man near it. It's an interesting story in many ways because why in the world does this man who has no belief, who's not even a Jew, is reading about Isaiah? Did you ever think about that when you've read this story? I mean, I'm sure many have heard this before, but it's interesting that that he's actually studying this. Something's drawn him, obviously, the Holy Spirit, to be reading this. And of all passages, he picks Isaiah, and he's reading through it. In fact, he's reading Isaiah chapter 53. We're going to see that in a little bit. It's one of the most interesting chapters in Isaiah. Of all the writings of Isaiah, chapter 53, it's pretty hard to read it especially looking back now and not realizing that the person that they're talking about is Jesus. In fact, many in, in, the, in Judaism, they won't even allow people to read chapter 53. They'll omit it or they'll cut it out or they'll just skim over it because it clearly states that the Messiah was Jesus Christ. So again, some homework, because I know some of you like some homework. This week, if you haven't read it in a while, go back and read Isaiah 53 and look at it with the lens of Who is Isaiah talking about in chapter 53? Isaiah 53. But this Ethiopian is reading it, but he doesn't understand. Has anyone else ever had that? Read a passage of Scripture and not understand it? Even after, I go through that, Exercise almost weekly, yeah. There's a lot of passages, and, and you know what? Even after studying, sometimes I still don't understand exactly, and I still need help, or I need someone's help from someone who's wiser or someone that's been through it to help guide me through it. Yes, your pastor uses commentaries and great men of the past to, to help him as he prepares and studies. He needs that. Um, many of you know me. I don't have all the answers by any means. So, so Philip runs up to the chariot, and he heard the man reading Isaiah from the Prophet, and he says, "Do you understand what you are reading?" And the other one says, I, "How can I, unless someone explains it to me." So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. It's interesting. That doesn't happen as much anymore, right? People don't walk into your office and you know, I've sat in churches and, and, and as I meet with people, they'll say, "Hey,, hey I, I'm, I'm reading this, but I don't understand it. Can you help me with this? Right? I think we, we've kind of, because we have the internet and because we can look things up, we tend to do a lot more on our own. But what a great opportunity, right? If someone comes up to you and says, hey, can you help me with this passage? Can you help me with this scripture? or I don't understand this point. Talk about an open door. What, a, what an opportunity Philip is given here. This man really wants to know what, what it is that he's reading. And like I said, Isaiah 53, look at this passage. He, he quotes it here. He says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and a lamb before the shearer. He is silent. He did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was depraved of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And that's just a small portion. That's only a couple of verses of 53. But if you continue to read on, it talks much more about Jesus. And you, it's hard not to mistake who... Isaiah was talking about. Again, God was already predicting that Jesus was coming. Talks about him taking on our sins. Talks about his his burial and his resurrection. Verse 34. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture. And he told him the good news about Jesus told you that Philip's one of my heroes here's one of the things that i take away from Philip. he uses what's before him this man is studying the scripture he's using the passage he didn't say oh wait a minute no there's some some other passages i want to use or hey let's go back over here and and use this method right i don't mind people using methods and sharing the gospel i really don't on the romans road there's been many through the years different passages and and ways to do it step by step but you know what now everyone comes to Jesus that way. People come to Christ in different ways. And if God's using you, use what's before you. Again, if it's a passage in Isaiah, then you use the passage in Isaiah. If it's because they have a question, use it. If it's because they've just suffered a loss, use that. Use what God is using already in their, that person's life. Meet them where they're at, and then walk them through it. Like I said, Philip's one of those, that's my hero, because he just uses what's in front of him. Not everyone comes to Jesus the same way. Everyone has a testimony. Everyone has an experience. Everyone comes a different way. We get to the same point, but we come in different ways, different means. That's why I love hearing testimonies, because guess what? They're all different. There's no such thing as a boring testimony, in my book, anyways. I love hearing how people come to Jesus. So Philip explains, he uses this passage, and again, as they're talking and they're traveling along the road, obviously something changes, and he believes. And he comes to some water, and the eunuch says, look, here is water, why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave the orders to stop the chariots, and both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized them. Again, belief, and then baptismal. Another thing here at Cornerstone—I mean Cornerstone. Oh man, I was really—I went—I went back in time. Brent, you set me up this week. I, I'm going to blame you. No, at Pointway. <laughs> at Pointway, we did at Cornerstone as well. We believe in baptism by immersion, and so we do that. Um, the Jews believe that as well. The early church practiced that. So baptizing by immersion um, is how we practice it as well. And again. Scripture indicates that, that that was the, 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 the way or the preferred method. Again, there has been, I've done actually baptisms where we weren't able to do that for medical reasons. And again, it's more of a heart issue. And so I'm not going to get hung up on that, but we do do it here whenever possible. We're going to do immersion here at Point Way, and at Cornerstone we did it. So, man, it's a tough morning, tough crowd. I'm getting there. Uh just remember, it's only been four months. I'm still working. It's four months. I'm I'm getting there. I'm still I'm still in transition, I guess. I thought I was here, but so they go down to the water, and Philip baptizes him. He comes up out of the water, and the Spirit of the Lord suddenly takes Philip away. And you did not see him ever again, but he went on his way, rejoicing. Phil, however, appeared in Ardeus and traveled about preaching the gospel to all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So again, Philip is being used here. And again, he had a mission for a short time. This eunuch needed to know the scriptures. God used Philip in his life momentarily. He believes, he gets baptized. And again, this is just a few of the baptismal. If you look, there's many places in scripture. Paul and the the other uh, apostles did the same thing. Upon belief, they would encourage baptism. And so that's what we like to do. One of the things about baptisms. It, that it is, and again, we've said that it's not, it's not salvation, it's not, um, it is a, re, a command in the Bible to do, but it's also a, an opportunity. That's I like to use these passages, it's an opportunity to share what God's done in your life. And again, it's a public display, Right? I know certainly I could take each individual, there's seven folks that want to get baptized today, and we could go and just do it privately, but and again, you would still be baptized, but what we like to do as a church family is we like to do it publicly. And I think it's it's value in that and celebrating that and and hearing people's testimony publicly to say, you know what, identify with Christ. And we also do it in a way that 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 shows the identification as in that what Christ did right? By burial above the water, death, and then rise back up again. And that's the symbolism behind it. And again, we celebrate that fact that Jesus not only died on the cross for our sins, and he was buried, but that he rose again. We serve a living God. And so baptism is, is an ordinance that we do, but it's also a public chance to, to share what God's been doing in your life and identify yourself with Christ. So I know it's a lot of teaching on that this morning, but again, I wanted to make that, that clear because here, one of the things we don't get the opportunity to do is to, to do a baptismal class, you know, and we, we don't have that opportunity. So kind of you're getting the, the, the baptismal class uh, as a whole this morning. So it's a little bit more teaching than I would normally do and, and a little less preaching, but I, hopefully it struck a chord with you. Maybe you remember your baptismal. Maybe you remember when you were baptized. One of the other things that I like to do is I like to include other people and I have folks that are going to be helping me this morning, I mean this morning, this afternoon uh, during the baptismal, right? Dads and moms and sometimes leaders if they don't have them that to help to share in that blessing. It's an honor to do a baptismal with somebody and it's an honor to be able to help and assist with that. And again, I don't want to hold that all for myself because again, it's not me. And it's not about me. It's about the person that's being baptized today and what their declaration is. Hopefully that's helped you a little bit. Hopefully that's cleared up a few things. If you do have more questions, please see me throughout the week. I'd be happy to answer those or after church today, but I wanted to make some, some clear things clear about baptism and what it is and what it isn't. And so be praying for the folks today that are getting baptized because again, it's an important moment in their lives. It's a declaration. It's one of those spiritual markers in their lives that, you know, they do once. You do that once, signify what God's done in their lives. And so let's rejoice this morning with that, and this afternoon as we go out to the lake. Bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, as we thank you for what you did on the cross, Lord, that we can come to you. Lord, we are thankful for the work of the Holy Spirit that draws us unto you, and Lord, that Holy Spirit that does that work in and through us. Lord, may we also be reminded that there are many folks around us who do not know you. And Lord, that we need to be praying and looking for those opportunities. Lord, I thank you for the seven that have made the commitment and the step forward in obedience to to get baptized today. Lord, may you solidify what they believe in and Lord, may you just use that today to testify to family and friends and Our church family here, they are a believer in Jesus Christ and the work that he did. I thank you for my church family. I thank you for this time this morning. I thank you for your word. Lord, may you continue to be with us throughout the rest of this day. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.